like many industries in the spirits industry, women are very underrepresented. So I thought here's an opportunity to bring a female perspective and doing that by being distilled, owned, and led by all women. More female voices in industry where there are not a lot of them. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Welcome back to another episode of Get Clear. As you guys know, I love to bring lots of lady bosses and people with a variety of backgrounds and interesting career paths so that everybody can see what is really possible for you. In fact, I just went to my old law school a few days ago and was talking to students about alternative career paths to being a practicing attorney, and this is what I love to do. I want people to see what all is out there and available for everyone. And so that just fit in so well with our guest today, Mara Smith. Thank you for being on the show. Hi, so great to be here. So Mara is the founder of Inspiro Tequila. She is also a former attorney corporate strategist, and stay-at-home mom. Mara practiced law at a large Chicago law firm before joining the corporate strategy team at a major corporation. Mara was put on emergency bed rest while pregnant with her twins. When they were born prematurely, she made the really tough, difficult decision to leave her corporate career and stay at home full-time with them. But she never stopped thinking about what was next. Mara always envisioned running her own company, and in 2020, she finally set out to do just that and started her journey to create a new tequila brand. So, so many similarities. Um, I might not have hit all the same pinnacles that you did, uh, but so many similarities. So I just love that so much. Tell us a little bit more as a starting point. I know it's really in the rearview mirror, but a little bit about what kind of law you practice and how you transitioned to corporate and what your thoughts were between the two. Yes. Um, well, I think, you know, I was always really myopically focused on becoming a lawyer. So um, I had I had that in my head from a very young age, which is kind of funny. I think even as a young girl, my dream was to be a Supreme Court justice. So Clearly, I wanted a really stable job, um, one that was for life. But everything I did was really plan, you know, with the plan um, in mind that I was going to go to law school. So even choosing what I was going to study in undergrad, everything was in preparation of going to law school. Um, so once I was in law school, I knew I was going to take a job at a big firm so I could pay off all my uh, loans. So I went to a really large, um, in fact, at the time, it was the largest law firm in Chicago, I had great experience. You get thrown in the fire uh, really quickly. You learn a lot um, right away. It was it was great. Um, I was doing commercial real estate as well as like uh, secure transactions and securitizations. So um, a great job, super intense. Um, and I was there for many years. Once I started thinking about having a family though, so I got married actually right before I started at, the, at my law firm. Um, so I started thinking about having a family. And unfortunately, at that time, when I was practicing law, I, I hope things have changed since then, but there were no female partners in my entire department. So I had 
I didn't have any role models to look to, to see how you could possibly manage working at a large law firm and having a family. Um, at the time, really, my only option was to go part-time, and they definitely would have had me stand part-time. But really what that meant is you're off the partnership track, which for me um, is not something I wanted. I was really focused on kind of like moving up um, in the firm. Um, you basically get paid part-time for, for full-time work. And um, you don't get the big kind of like sexy deals that I like to work on, like the huge deals. You're doing things that were a little bit more mundane. So it wasn't very appealing to me. So I decided to then switch to the corporate side. So my undergrad, um, I graduated from the business school and um, got a CPA. So my undergrad was in business. So I decided to move towards the business side and not even in the legal realm. Um, and then I started working in corporate strategy at a Fortune 500 company. That was really eye-opening. It was the first time that I kind of saw like all, you know, these other opportunities. We were studying consumer trends and insights and thinking of and ideating different concepts for the company and different things they and um, ways they could grow and scale and I suddenly, I feel like my entrepreneurial spirit was sparked and I started thinking about like, oh, I would love to start a company. And I, I actually started looking into at the time, um, opening a franchise of um, an ice cream um, company and then realized I'm in Chicago. That's probably not the best locale for <laughs> an ice cream shop. Um, but it just showed that I was like thinking of ideas um, and, you know, the best laid plans. I was, became pregnant with my oldest children who are twins and was suddenly put on emergency bed rest and was on bed rest for three and a half months. Then I had preemie twins. And as you mentioned, you know, made the decision to stay home. I thought they needed my attention. Um, so kind of all my plans and really being so focused on like how I was going to build my career, it came to a, a screeching halt very quickly. Um, and so then I was home and had a, another child nine and a half years later. So uh, I was actually home and out of the workforce for 16 years. Um, so this is a reentry and it's, you know, um, a, a very major change. See, the, the pivot that was um, probably the biggest surprise to everybody who knew me was more me deciding to stay home than probably me starting a company. I don't think anyone ever saw that on the radar. I was, um, it was very, you know, and, and still am, but it was very, very driven um, and super focused on kind of my career path. So that was probably the, the most major uh, pivot as far as a, a life change for me. And did you see that, you know, what I've, heard from talking to a lot of people, a lot of women, especially when you get that graduate degree, especially if you're a doctor or a lawyer, um, letting go of that identity can be a tough thing. It sounds like since you were so focused on being a lawyer, rising up, becoming a partner, did you have a bit of an identity crisis in that interim? Or was it pretty natural for you to just um, go into being you know, a full-time stay-at-home mom? No, I think actually it was a very major identity <laughs> uh, crisis. And, you know, all along, I'd always been kind of um, recognized for like a compliment. So it's like, if it's in school, like that's, I felt like I was getting all this like external, like, you know, kind of recognition mm -hmm. and you become a mom and like, I don't know, but my kids don't on a regular basis say like, you're doing a great job, mom. Like you get an A plus, you know, you're getting a raise for, for what you're, you know, for your efforts. So I really did miss a lot of that. I kind of 
that was always how I worked towards that maybe external validation. And it is a big, um, it is a big shift. And I was always worried, well, will my kids know like what I was really like, you know, would they know that, you know, how I operated beforehand and I was known as this like really, um, diligent worker and, you know, uh, successful and will they like know that? And somehow it's funny because you can apply those exact same things even when you're home. So I feel like I took my role as stay-at-home mom as just as seriously. So I think they all got that, like saw my intensity and how like diligent I was even about that job. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, you kind of think you're going to like lose that, but I, I'm still the same person. So I didn't lose that part of my personality. Um, I just maybe didn't get the accolades because I don't get those my family. It, it's like the del- real true delayed gratification, right? Like when people are like, great job, you were a great mom. Look, you should be so proud. It's when your kids are graduating college, going into the workforce themselves or getting into a you know prestigious school or whatever. Uh, so definitely nobody is walking around handing out medals for the most part saying, you're, do, you're such a wonderful mom to your toddler. Um, but I, I, I've spent sometime asking myself for the same thing. Like, why? Why is it that some personalities really thrive on that validation and that um, recognition and, and making, you know, bringing projects to life and, and taking on those kind of challenges? Uh, I don't really still have the answers, but I find myself struggling with that all the time, you know, still, still struggling with that, having kind of shifted my focus um, left. I was just actually at a conference where I was kind of back with my old people, big corporate um, clients and things like that, uh, because I need, I'm still maintain my law license. So I was getting CLE and it immediately made me Mara, it immediately made me think like, is there a role that I would want to take back on? And then I just have to remind myself that the flexibility, being a mom, being present, doing on all these other things is just as important. But there is still a part of me that, you know, it, it's a struggle <laughs> because just being associated with a Fortune 50 company, there is just something about that in and of itself that you get recognized for, right? Like amongst your peers. Um And so I have to constantly ask myself, like, why am I really doing what I'm doing and remind myself and bring myself back and grounded? Um, But now you're doing something so fabulous. And I just really want to know of all the businesses that you can get into, um, why tequila? What brought about the interest in that? Um, And tell us about, you know, what you're doing there. Yes. And actually, just to the last point, it really hit home because I was thinking, what we do when we stay home and we're used to that kind of um, life of like being like this really high achiever and some, you know, larger role. I think that is why um, you take on everything at home too. So, right. So then it's like, I will be the manager of the soccer team. I'll be on the PTO. I will drive all the carpools. I'll organize everything. I'll do the gifts. I'll organize the girls trips, the girls, like everything, because you feel like you have to be like super, super busy which is also a problem and probably my own, you know, issue to deal with, but, and, and, you know, but because you feel like you have to fill every minute because that's kind of like what you're used to. And you feel like that's like the expectation. Well, and I'll tell you, I don't know if anybody ever gave you any, any advice about this, but I will say that somebody, I don't remember who it was exactly now, but one of my friends who had a 
child that was a few years older than me. As we were entering elementary school, obviously they knew my personality very well. And they said, you know, be conscientious that you're taking on opportunities at the school that one, you're interested in, and that two, give you FaceTime with your child and not just all the behind the scenes stuff because, you know, I still kept a foot in working. I've never been totally stay at home. Um, And I thought that was the best advice I got because otherwise I would have probably guilted myself and said, I needed to be doing more. I need to be doing these other things. In reality, I took on a science project, which I absolutely love science. Um, but I don't always see my own children, but I get to see all the other kids when I'm doing those. Um, but yes, it, it can be really challenging. I mean, you're it, the the drive to just overcommit. <laughs> it's very real. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So that just resonated. And then I remember a friend once told me when I was asking about like, would she share the position of president of PTO? Or whatever, she's like, you know, my mom told me that um, saying no may be hard, but that feeling is like very temporary where you feel bad, but saying yes, you could be living with it for a really long time. So I like always think about that before I say yes or no to something, <laughs> like how long you'll be living living with that yes. Um, so yeah, so in Spiro Tequila, I always knew I was going to start my own company. Um, I probably, maybe because I've heard that, you know, I don't work well with authority. I thought it'd be better to work for myself. I knew it was going to be in food and beverage. I am like a super consumer. I taste test everything. So I'm a huge Shark Tank fan and I'll like watch and then order everything to like taste test. My husband uh, is about ready to kill me because my pantry is full of like every product that they (laughs) showcase. Um, But so I love trying new products. And so I knew it was going to be in food and beverage. And I just kept coming back. I thought about like a number of different ideas, but I kept coming back to tequila. And that's because I've been a tequila drinker for years. And... um, Honestly, I kind of live like a healthier lifestyle, look for better for you products and everything from, you know, my cleaning products to beauty products, um, to what I eat and did not realize until I started like really researching the category, trying lots of different brands. I did not know that all the tequilas I was drinking contained undisclosed additives. So I didn't know that there were things like, you know, artificial sweeteners, which I normally would never have in my food, um, artificial sweeteners, glycerin, coloring. So when I learned that, I really set out, I searched for um, an additive-free brand, but I still wanted a brand that I thought had was like easy to drink, had some sweeter tasting notes, not a ton of like bite on it, not really alcohol forward. And frankly, I didn't, I didn't find that. And I also didn't find anything that I thought really spoke to me as a female consumer. Um, I started researching the category, learned that there are a lot of women who drink tequila like almost half of tequila drinkers are female and we know that women make over 80% of all purchasing decisions. So I was just confused as to why brands are not focused on this consumer. She's a really important consumer, even in the spirits world and spirits brands are just not focused on her. So I thought, here's an opportunity to do something really customer centric, focus on a consumer who I know because I am this consumer and figure out a way to do something that's additive free, but still a really approachable, easy to drink tequila. Um, lastly, as we talked about like, you know, our careers in law and that me finding that, you know, there were no great role models, like female role models. Really, if I was going to reenter the workforce, it was important for me to do something where I thought I could make an impact. And like many industries in the spirits industry, women are very underrepresented. So I thought here's an opportunity to bring a female perspective and doing that by having, you know, by being distilled owned and led by all women. So just bringing more 
more female voices in industry where there are not a lot of them. I just want to pause and say thank you to all the amazing people tuning in and making this show a success. And to share some exciting scoop, I am opening up for the first time ever one-on-one coaching. We have two options available, the Executive Edge two-week program and the Career Catalyst six-week program, which will use my proprietary Earn It framework. If you're ready to propel your professional journey, crush your salary goals, or need someone to coach you through a big career decision, let's conquer it together. Limited spots for unlimited empowerment. Links to sign up will be in the show notes and in the link tree on my Instagram and LinkedIn site. See you there. Are you familiar with um, Scout and Cellar, the wine? Yes. Okay. So that, I mean, that's like when immediately when I heard about Inspiro, I was thinking, wow, this is great because I'm not a big drinker. Um, I previously probably socially drank more, but as I've gotten older, it's harder on my body. I live a very active, healthy lifestyle. And I think my body is just not used to it. And so <laughs> when I start drinking a wine or anything else that has additives, I mean, I feel terrible. So when I heard about your product and thought about that and knew what a difference maker Scout and Seller had been, I was like, this is genius. This is amazing. This is exactly what everybody needs. So how have you found, I mean, with your background and being a strategist, I mean, I have several questions, I'm, which makes the most sense to go into next. But I guess my first question is, did you bring on investors, secure loans? Is it fully funded? Um, you know, how were you investing in the growth of the brand and the business um, totally on your own or, you know, what strategy? On my own. We're bootstrapped. So um, I'm self-funded. And I think that's like, you know, part of the benefit of being maybe a more seasoned entrepreneur. <laughs> and I did not start this out of like my dorm room. Is that right? Like my husband and I have been working like our entire lives. I have older children. So, um, and there are a lot of reasons for doing that right now initially. And that's, you know, I really wanted to have some proof of concept first before I even go out and ask family for money like that to me was important. Um, it's also a full-time job fundraising and because I'm wearing so many hats and have many full-time jobs right now, it's just not something I could like manage without having like probably a bigger support like team behind me. So, you know, when we're, when I'm handling, you know, operations and managing marketing channels and, you know, compliance and things like that, it's just a lot. So, um, and frankly, it's, I have a vision right now that I'd love to see, you know, kind of like scale and grow and without outside voices, you know, you can do what you want. Yes. And the reason I ask that, just so it's clear for everybody listening, Mara, is that I think it's on twofold. One, women having the courage to, you know, take the hard-earned money that you have. We are by nature, you know, risk averse. Women are less risk takers. We are, you know, comforters and caregivers. And we want to make sure that that nest egg that we've developed is going to be there for our children, our family, whatever may happen in the future. I find myself you know, in the same boat, having to really press out and say, I'm going to do some different things. I have to use the confidence. So I think it's important for people to hear that, that you've taken that strategy, but also had you taken on debt or other things, you know, I think that's also hard and scary for women to like, how do you figure out the loan process? How do you go through that? How do you take on debt or um, investors? Do you want to have it credited? You know, all the things. So I'm just 
kind of throwing out some topics that if people are out there listening and thinking about creating a business or starting a business, but I love that you're doing it that way. I mean, we have one beacon shining example of, you know, bootstrapping it, uh, Sarah Blakely, (laughs) who, you know, made it all on her own to a big, big um, number. And when you have that vision, um, I think it's, you know, very good to protect that and protect the autonomy. Um, And obviously you're so seasoned to, (laughs) you know, be confident in making those decisions on your own. So with all of those hats that you're wearing, um, how are you finding balancing your career and home life now? Um, well, first, I'm going to go back to the, the other question. Just in, It is scary. So just everybody knows, like, no matter what, even if you go on and do it, and no matter how you do it, if you take on funds, it's scary because you feel beholden to people and you're answering people and you want to make sure you do well. Like, it's all, it's all scary. So this is, you're taking um, someone who's tends to be very risk averse. And this is like putting me in a very different situation, right? I said, I want to be like Supreme Court justice. I mean, talk about like a risk averse <laughs> career, right? So this is definitely out of my comfort zone. So it's like trying to like, um, be, be tolerant of like the risk involved mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, ride, ride those waves. But, um, you know, as far as balance, um, I'm terrible balance. I don't believe in balance. I'm, I'm hoping this is a blend. I feel like one as a founder, there um, there are no boundaries between my personal and professional life. It's all the same, right? There are no hours. So I think anybody who goes into like, I'm going to start my own company because I want to have like a more manageable schedule. I, I at least for me, and sorry to scare anyone out there, I don't think that's like the case because when you start something and you're like all in, there's no end to my day, there's no beginning to my day, there are no weekends. I mean, I take time out when I want to be present for something else or for something with family, but it's, there are no like defined times yeah. in my work day. Um, and I have to be comfortable and give myself some grace. The fact that I am going to drop the ball and something is going to get dropped every day. And I hope that I do one thing. I am very good at sitting and focusing and, and really focusing on the task at hand. So hopefully I get something done really well. And then I probably, you know, forgot other things to do or didn't get to them. Um, and I try and do that both in when it's, you know, work or when it's family, family related. So when I'm at like my son's basketball tournament, I'm trying to be just there and present and not responding and not checking my phone. And, you know, and, but then when I come home, that's going to be the time that I need to be, you know, on and focused. Um, so that's kind of how I think I do it. I just really focus on the one task at hand that I really have to get done. And and I just try and cut myself some slack that I'm probably not going to like, I, I'm not going to be a great mom and a great CEO probably on the same day. Um, maybe, but that would be, you know, like uh, a really, a really big win day. Um, and I just heard someone speak and I thought this resonated so much for me. She was saying how, and she was a CEO of a big company and for many years, and how she kind of set expectations for her family too and for her children. And she said, I will be at the A activities. I'll be at all the A's. I'll be at some of the B's, not all the B's, some of the B's. And I won't be at the C's. And I think just even putting that in my own head, like giving myself grace, like I missed the school meeting about the outdoor ed education program and I missed that meeting. 
And I had to say, it's okay. That's a C. I can get that information. It comes out on a deck afterwards. I can ask friends. Like that was not going with my child. Like that was a C activity. That's okay if I miss it. And I just love that framework of like, okay, I'm going to be at all the really important things. Some of the so, so important and the, the ones that are really not and don't require me to be there. Just giving myself, you know, the permission to, I'm going to miss those and making it really clear with my kids. I'm going to miss those. <laughs> yeah. It's what is the highest and best use of your time. And I've also been actively, I have a first, third and fourth grader. So I've been trying to train them in the same way. It's like, I realized I think last year going, I don't know if it was the Valentine's party or the Christmas party, one of the parties, and I didn't go to the next one because I realized I'm like literally running between three classrooms. They see my face. They do not talk to me. Is this the best and highest use of my time when they're already getting out of school on those days at like 11 a.m.? So I have decided, to your point... I'm not, I'm just not going to go to them and I'm not going to feel that guilty about it. I do a lot of other stuff. I also don't want to always stand around and watch you at your practice. Like I'm not going to miss your game, but what, what value am I adding at your practice when I could, you know, maybe I'm using that as a little bit of downtime or maybe I'm running an errand or doing something else. So I think, yes, it's block scheduling, kind of like you said, you may be putting your CEO hat on in the morning and then putting your mom hat on later. Um, but trying to be the A plus person at everything at every time is really where we see a lot of burnout. Um, And so the great takeaway from this women, ladies, whoever's listening, don't guilt yourself. Don't beat yourself up. And that actually was going to be one of my next points. So the other thing on your business building, um, and I knew you had been thinking about for years and debating about what, you know, business you were going to go into or what you're going to start. How did you just decide to take the action? Because I've also seen that a lot of type A, a lot of hard-hitting corporate women or legal women especially, then have a hard time going into the creative or entrepreneur space, trying to answer all the questions before you start. And sometimes you just have to start and then take the questions as they go. So how did you really push yourself forward to say, this is what I'm interested in. I see a gap in the market and I'm just going to start taking action. Yes. Well, I think there's a couple of things there to unpack and it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the first piece of it is I think for me, but I think for a lot of women, we feel like we need to be like really overprepared. I feel like maybe if I was a man, I'd be like, you know what? I want to start a tequila company. I'm starting a tequila company. I'd like blast it out to everybody. Like I'm starting a tequila company for me. I like kept it like really close to the vest. I did as much research as possible first. I'm like, let me figure out the production and history of tequila and take a course offered by the regulatory agency in Mexico and become certified. And let me reach out to, you know, industry veterans and find out I'm going to read books on it. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to watch webinars. Like, let me understand the entire um, alcohol industry and the complexities and the federal regulations. So like, I did a ton, a ton of due diligence. Now, one, that could be partly with my background and having a legal background, so that came kind of naturally. But I also think that's what a lot of women do, like, right, you hear about that for even um, job applicants, right, that they feel like they have to be way above, like, the requirements and before they, like, apply for a job. Um, women tend to do that. So I feel like that's how I did it. I went in and I dove deep to learn as much as I could um, before even, like, you know, mumbling about this to anybody that I was going to um, start a tequila brand. Um, and that's how I go into pretty much everything too. Like I just feel a, be- 
you know, more confident if I go in having really researched whatever I'm going in and talking about or whoever I'm talking to that I've gone in and done like my due diligence. Everyone I reach out to, if I make a LinkedIn connection, like I have like already studied like your entire background, I will know like everything about you before I, you know, make that connection. Um, so that's one thing I do is just really, I do a lot of research, a lot of due diligence. As far as the creative part of it, I actually find that this is something that I, an area where I've grown the most. I never thought of myself as someone who had any like creativity, to be honest, like I wasn't, you know, not a creative. I, I, I always, I studied like mathematical subjects that are in engineering. Then I finished in accounting. Then I went to law school. Like I never thought of myself. I, I'm the kid who did not like art class in school. So I never thought of myself as like creative at all. I was like a numbers person. I like answers. And this has expanded my knowledge base, expanded like how I think about myself so much, right? I I came up with a bottle design. I was going back and forth with a designer, but like working on it with my mom, like with sketches and coming up with the bottle that I wanted. I was coming up with the logo design. I I named the brand, you know, I came up with a name that I wanted a name that had a meaning in Spanish, but also would resonate in English. And that was named, means inspired in, in English. And it's named after my, um, you know, in honor of my grandmother, my mother, my inspirations, kind of two women who gave me this confidence. Um, but I, I'm working on social media. I mean, I maybe can't like create assets or do everything and do the photography and videography, but I definitely have a creative vision for the brand. And um, I think for me, it was kind of eye-opening that like we're not necessarily like one or the other. Even though I thought of myself that way, I actually do have, you know, some creative skills is what I found. And that um, I think that's been the most um, kind of eye-opening for me to see myself in a different light and having, and you know, since I was a kid, I never thought of myself as someone who, like, you know, um, was creative and, and also, um, it just shows how you can continue to like develop and learn as you get older. And I'm someone that is generally intellectually curious. So I just love learning more. And this is an area where I got, I've been able to learn a lot about myself and just about getting out there. I mean, I started this I did not have a social media account. I did not, I wasn't on LinkedIn. I wasn't on Instagram. I wasn't on anything. So it's a huge learning curve. And that's really the exciting um, part of it, like being a lifelong learner and that it doesn't stop. And I hope that's something that I can show my children. It's not like you get your job and then like, that's it. And you don't do any more like, you know, just because school's over, it doesn't mean that you're done learning. And this is you know, an opportunity for me to learn like so much more and just expand my, my world. That's amazing. And I, and I think that, yeah, we hold ourselves back by the stories that we tell ourselves, um, you know, that I'm not creative. I don't do these things. I do these things. Well, these are not things I focus on. And when we stay open to what can come, I think we can surprise ourselves and then even learn that we enjoy some stuff like doing a bottle design, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, when you have the vision, it is hard to not control all those little processes, um, especially when the whole brand, you know, you have a vision for it. And so having some input and, you know, putting on those different hats um, gives you a lot of interesting variety. So what does success look for? like for you in the next 12 months? So in 12 months, I feel like that's a pretty short time frame. 
and I like to be uh, aggressive yet realistic. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want brand awareness. I just want more and more women to know about the product and have tried it and just be fans of the brand. Like that's the most important thing for me is that people know about it, hear about it, and this is their their go-to that we're you know, the spirit that allows them to like connect and create more community. Um, and then, you know, tactically is that scaling to more, to some more states. So, but doing it really thoughtfully and methodically, um, we are now going to be in five states at the end of this year. And so in the next, you know, 12 months, I'm hoping that we'll be in another five to 10 states. And I feel like that'll be a great, um, but we'll have to do that in a way that we know that we can support and have enough, you know, people to support that um, and to execute that because obviously, you know, I'm, I have one body. My national sales director is one body, and there's just so many places we could be at one time. Yeah. So, um, but figuring out, figuring that out, but really scaling really thoughtfully and expanding our our presence, and then expanding awareness around, uh, you know, among our consumers. That is the the biggest piece for me. Well, I'm just going to plant the seed because, you know, I'm here in Texas and it's land of the ranch water. Oh my gosh. Uh, and having more canned ranch waters, uh, which at first I thought would be absolutely atrocious. Um, I found a couple that are pretty good. Um, so I'll plant the seed there that if you, <laughs> you may be more focused and disciplined than that, but as things grow and expand, I think there's a big market for the ranch water. I, I, I don't know how, you know, far and wide it's gotten, um, outside of Texas. I mean, I, I know that I have some friends in different states that uh, occasionally have a ranch water, but you know, I think that is for the person looking for a fairly healthy alcoholic beverage, doesn't have a lot of sugar additives or all the other stuff. Um, sounds like a perfect pairing for you. <laughs> so we make ranch waters all the time. We don't have a canned product, and, yeah. but, um, but we just make ranch water simple. It's like the easiest drink. Yes. I, mean, I generally just drink tequila soda. So all you need to do is, and you know, tequila, some fresh lime juice and some sparkling mineral water. And there you go. It's a super clean, great drink. And that's actually generally how I drink my tequila. I, we have great, great cocktail recipes on our website, but I generally just drink it super simply. Yeah. Well, and if you haven't tried it with glass bottled Topo Chico, glass bottled Topo Chico, um, my girlfriends and I, my little uh, law school clique, <laughs> we went on a trip to Puerto Rico. And that's what one of my friends was yelling about. The glass Topo Chico is only for the ranch water. I do not want to see you drinking it by itself because it was hard to find in Puerto Rico. Um, but if you haven't... You could do it with any mineral water, any any sparkling mineral water. Um, any sparkling mineral water works. You'll see there are like some great... Um, Great sparkling. Chico Chico is one of them, but you can do any sparkling mineral water, like really, as long as it has like a lot of the, um, you just want a lot of carbonation. Yes. The extra fizzy. Yep. Yes. Well, the last thing I wanted to touch upon, and then we will let you get back to handling all the big business that you have going on is, you know, in this journey and before this journey, you built a supportive community of women. How did you go about that? What has it given back to you? What is your big takeaway for other women out there? So, and that is really, um, the 
my biggest joy in this whole journey. Um, you know, I talked about doing a lot of due diligence and being prepared. You can do everything and be as prepared as you want, but I really feel like if you don't have a supportive community, this is a really lonely journey and it's important to have people behind you and supporting you. And, um, the other women in my community are um, my resource, my go-to. So if I'm looking for um, a vendor, if I want to know a platform to try out, I mean, I go to the founders that I know and they're so helpful. And the way I built this, you know, I came back into the workforce. I had no business um, connections at all because I'd been out for 16 years. So I slowly would reach out to people and we touched on this before, but as I did outreach, I would come in like really prepared and have them something very specific. I've never reached out to anyone saying, can I pick your brain? I would come in with something very, a very specific ask. Um, I saw you did this, 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 or I heard you on a podcast talk about this, this, this. I'm really interested in learning how you used whatever platform and it grew your business or whatever. So coming in really specific. And then um, you know, most people are receptive and will, you know, connect with you. Um, and the ones that don't, they don't, it's fine. And then I followed up on every introduction. So one introduction will lead to another introduction. Oh, you should talk to this person. They started this brand or whatever. And I would reach out. And I, you know, even though I may have been the smaller brand in a lot of these introductions and meetings, I would do whatever I could to give back. So, oh, you know, we have an event coming up. Can we use your mixer and put it on our menu board and present it? Or would you like to collab and we'll take the asset and we'll repost it and share it? Or like any opportunity I would have or, you know, I mean, little things um, that I could somehow add any insights or I found this person that I thought maybe would be helpful for you to meet. So always trying to do things and th- and having those people in mind because I have been so fortunate and they've been so supportive that I'm always trying to think of people and how I can connect other people. And I think that's really essential because we can kind of talk about, we want to support women-owned businesses, but I think doing the little things, you know, answering the email um, or the LinkedIn message, making an introduction, buying from women-owned, gifting woman owned, like this is how I try and like live my life, how I can sport. Um, there's a small brownie company that's in Texas that I love. I introduced her to an event we're doing like, Hey, do you want to supply the brownies? I said, we're doing a giveaway for national dessert day. Do you want to be the brownies? I, I purchased, I didn't ask her to send me free brownies. I bought them on her website. So it just shows that like, there are just such small things that we can all do that are really impactful to help like uplift other women and, um, and kind of raise everybody and elevate all those voices. So I am very proud that I'm able to kind of do my part and that I have this incredible community that I can go to, um, for guidance, feedback, and that hopefully would also come to me for, you know, any guidance or, um, questions that they have. That's amazing. I mean, that is what it's all about. I think we as women especially thrive on a community, thrive on being together and make sure that you're not trying to go it alone. That's so important. 
Um, and also asking, you know, I think that people who have been successful or done other things are nine times out of 10 so willing to share. We just can't be afraid to ask. But I loved what you said. Be specific about what you're asking for. People don't have time to think about, oh, you just want to pick my brain. What is this endless thing? Does it apply to me? Are you just trying to make a advantageous connection? When you're specific about it, it helps people want to say yes. Because oftentimes, if it has something to do with what they've succeeded in, what they've learned, they want to share it with other people. Most people are not who are successful are not hoarding the knowledge, not hoarding success for themselves. Um, so don't be afraid to ask. Um, I think that's great. Well, I have absolutely loved this conversation. I'm so excited to watch the journey of Inspiro and see what else, where else it goes. Um, and besides on your website, you know, where would you want people to reach out and to find you? Well, for me, you could connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm a re- I'm very good at LinkedIn, social media, not as much, but on LinkedIn. So find me, Mara Smith on LinkedIn and connect with me. And, and if you reach out, um, I will connect with you. Um, and you can follow a lot of my journey on that. I share a lot. And then I think um, on Instagram and all the other social media platforms, if you go on to Inspiro Tequila, I-N-S-P-I-R-O Tequila, you can find us there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, for being so transparent and open uh, and giving back to women in general. I wish you the best and look forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much. Guys, continue to think about what the journey is on where you want to go, what you want to build, who you want to be, what kind of life you want to live. If you feel like you're made for more, it's because you are made for more. So root into that. Don't hold yourself back and keep getting clear. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to create a career you love, get the salary you deserve and build the confidence to live life on your own terms, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll get actionable tips to raise your worth, build your wealth, create freedom, and create a life you absolutely love. Head over to crystalwaremedia.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes and join thousands of others making their dreams a reality. Whether you're just embarking on the journey or well on your way, the Worthful Newsletter has something for you. See you next week.